welcome to a summer of love. Hey, turn to your neighbor and go Austin Powers on them. Say, yeah, baby. All right, all right. Y'all can be seated. Now we know what kind of music to play each and every week. Get you guys engaged in worship. That's what I'm talking about. Well, hey, it is great to see all of you. And once again, we want to say welcome to those that are watching us today live online. We so appreciate you and honored that you've chosen to worship with, the, with us today. And it's what we love about technology. And we would encourage you as you're on vacations, as you go see grandma and go see all the good things over the course of the summer. Now that school is officially out, now is an opportunity for you to tune in with us so you don't miss a single thing that's happening over the course of our summer. But this is an exciting summer. We have a lot going on and uh, really even starts today, starts this weekend as you just uh, heard a few moments ago with our life group launch and we're going to be uh, not just connecting with life groups over the next six weeks. In fact, I would encourage you uh, maybe consider grabbing a copy of this book. Uh, it, it also goes uh, with a six part uh, DVD video teaching that's all about unpacking what love is all about. And it's a powerful, powerful verse-by-verse uh, -verse explanation from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And it's going to be a powerful summer study. If that's something you're interested in, you can learn more about it. Go ask some questions. Go to the Life Group booth on your way out today. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing and why we're doing it is really for this reason. And that is to love better and to shine brighter. And that's our heart's desire. It's what we're praying for. It's what we pray for you. It's what we pray for everybody. Over the course of this summer, no matter what you do, where you go, we can all love better and we can all shine brighter. Amen? That's our heart. That's our goal. And that's truly what we are praying for. And uh, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., uh, we're gathering with a team of people that's uh, actually we're sending out to uh, Camp Bahamas, one of our missions partners. And so I think we have a little over 40 individuals who are going to be going on this trip. And so be in prayer for them. That's one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're just putting love in action. We're going to go be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're going to come alongside Camp Bahamas and serve them and not just minister to the people there on the island of Eleuthera, but really continue to come alongside and invest in a camp that we've been investing in now for 10 years. It's been an amazing, amazing accomplishment to see what God has done through Rethink Life Church and how it's impacted this camp and how they are impacting the Bahamian Islands for the glory of God. So it's an incredible, incredible thing. Well, I want to dive into today's message by really asking you a very pointed question, and it goes like this. What is your most important goal? Think about that for just, now, before you just randomly think of some answers. Think about that for a moment. What is your most important or number one goal in life? Now, for some of you, maybe you're thinking to yourself, "Well, I just want to be happy." Some of you may be thinking, "Well, I just want to be successful." Some of you, maybe your desire is, is for acceptance. For some of you, you just want to have fun. You know, you. You just want to enjoy life, enjoy pleasure, and all of those things are good. All of those things are not bad in and of themselves, but you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the most important goal that we should strive for in life, you ready for this, is love. So Paul the Apostle told us in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, here's what Paul the Apostle said. He said, let, say it out, say it out loud. Love, let love be your highest what? Goal. 
So Paul the Apostle is saying, hey, in, in, in light of all the things we could do, make love your highest, greatest, most important goal. Make love your highest aim. Why? Because when we learn to love like Jesus loves, guess what? We're going to learn to live like Jesus lives. And that's one of the things that God desires more than anything is for us to understand not just the importance of love, but most importantly, most importantly, how we can live and reflect God's love in every single area of our lives. Um, Michelle and I, we just celebrated Friday night. Well, actually Friday, but we, we celebrated Friday night, took her out on a romantic date. We celebrated 27 years of marriage. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe we just, both of us just turned 30. So, I mean, it's just um, it's amazing. But no, 27 years of marriage. And uh, I tell you, it's been an amazing, amazing ride. It's been not just a ride, it's been an adventure. It really, really has. And uh, we can look back over the course of these 27 years and just really just see how much we've grown, not just as individuals, but grown as a couple. We've learned so much about life. We've learned so much about each other. We've experienced so many different things, a lot of great things, a lot of life-changing things, a lot of hard things, a lot of difficult things that we've been through, trials, tribulations. I mean, when you, when you, when you spend 27 years of marriage together with someone, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take the ugly, and there's a lot to be learned from all of it. You know what I'm saying? And so when you think about it, it requires love. It requires commitment. It requires devotion sacrifice. It requires a lot of different things. We've learned a lot, and we're still learning, really, what love is. And uh, I'll never forget when I asked um, my, at that time, my, my future father-in-law permission to ask uh, Michelle to marry me. I had planned it all out. I had uh, thought it through, and so we, uh, we arranged this weekend where I was going to go. Michelle was in Oklahoma at the time. I was living in Texas at the time, so I made, it, made arrangements to go to Oklahoma, and I was going to be with Michelle, but really my primary motivation for going there was to get his blessing. I wanted to, uh, wanted to you know, make sure that he gave his stamp of approval, gave the okay for me to ask Michelle to marry me, and so I, uh, I, you know, I, I love tennis. I've been playing tennis most of my life. Uh, my father-in-law, or my future father-in-law at the time, which, by the way, he's going to be speaking for us next weekend. I've asked him to speak for us, and it just so happened uh, he was going to be here in town. Didn't even know it. I just learned he was going to be here in town attending a, a convention. I said, well, what are you doing next weekend? I said, are you preaching somewhere? He said, well, no. He said, I took next weekend off. I said, well, you're booked. We're, we're, we got you. You're going to be speaking at Rethink Life Church. So don't miss next week. You would, listen, I, listen, whatever you cancel your vacation, whatever you're doing, don't miss it. I'm telling you why. Because let me tell you something. He's one of the godliest, wisest people I've ever been around in my life. And so he's just going to share his heart. I told him what we were doing, our summer theme and everything. He said, oh, I got just the message. And so I can't wait for you to hear it. But let me just say this. When I was talking with him, uh, he was just getting into tennis at the time. And uh, so I said, well, maybe I'll take him out to go play tennis. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a little time. We can talk through the whole situation about my feelings for Michelle and my desire to want to marry her. And so I'll never forget. And I learned the hard way. Timing is everything. It really, really is. And I was still a rookie, didn't have a clue, and I, I, I messed it all up. Because we were in the car getting ready to back out of the garage, and I asked him the question. I said, uh, 
I should have waited. I should have, I should have, I should have just, you know, really been patient, but it was boiling up in me. I just needed to know if he was going to be cool with me asking his daughter to be married. And so I, we were in the car getting ready to pull out of the, the, the garage. And I said, Rod, I said, I just want you to know, uh, man, I, I sure love your daughter. And he literally stopped the car. And my heart went into my throat. And he turned to me and he said, what do you mean you love my daughter? I'm like, I love her. I love her unconditionally. And then he looked at me with these piercing eyes. I mean, he stared right through me. And he said, explain to me what you mean by unconditionally. It was a very awkward car ride to the tennis courts. And at that time, all I could think about, am I supposed to win? Am I supposed to beat him in tennis? Should I let him beat me in tennis? If I win, he'll be mad and he won't let me marry his daughter. If I lose intentionally, then he's going to think I'm a horrible athlete and I'm a loser. So I was like a loser on both ends of the situation. And so I'm thinking through this whole thing and he's drilling me with question after question after question. And I was so confused. Because at the end of the day, I was not really 100% clear on what my views on love was all about after talking to him for the next two hours on love. And I've come to realize, and it's kind of funny now because I have two daughters. One um, is now married, and it's kind of interesting. I put uh, her future husband through the same interrogation that my father-in-law put me through. And so uh, these knuckleheads come along and mess things up. Anyway, I... Uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was confused, and I'm, I'm convinced for a lot of people in our culture today, now more than ever, I think a lot of people are just confused about what love truly is. I mean, we, we read the, the, the soupy, sappy romance novels, you know, we, we look at Instagram, and we kind of scroll through, we look at all the, the amazing things that other people are doing, other couples are doing, we think, oh, that's so cool, they're... They, they're so in love, and they have such the perfect relationship, perfect marriage. They have, you know, this, this perfect situation, you know, comparing with, with our situation and our not-so-perfect situation. And, and so we have all of these mixed-up things and pictures and images and views on what love is. We hear so much about love this and love that and hate this and hate that. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of confusion, I believe, when it comes to the whole issue of the subject of love. And that's the reason why we're spending the whole summer unpacking the subject. And here's the reason why it's so important that we understand it, because honestly, if you don't truly know what love is, then how in the world can we demonstrate and show love to people, to one another? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack something. In fact, if you're writing notes and taking notes today, if you have our app, I hope you'll capture this, because here's really the key thought, and this is what we're hanging our hat on throughout this entire summer, and that is when we love like Jesus loves, we're going to live like Jesus lives, because at the end of the day, that's the why behind the what. When we love like Jesus loves, we're going to ultimately live, we're going to model, we're going to exemplify like Jesus exemplified what love was all about. In fact, if you could just summarize the entire Bible in one word, it would be the word relationship. Think about that. The God of the universe, more than anything, longs to have a relationship with you and with me. One of the things that I did in January this year is I started reading through the Bible again, and I 
pulled out an old Bible that I haven't used in years, and it's actually a daily devotional Bible. It's called um, it's called the Daily Walk Bible by Walk Through the Bible Ministries. It's an incredible, incredible tool to help you kind of read through the Bible. So you start from the Old Testament, go through the New Testament, and uh, over and over and over. I, in fact, I'm I'm just I'm just now finishing the Book of Nehemiah because I'm about three weeks behind. You say, "Oh my goodness, Pastor, you haven't read the? You mean you've skipped three week, weeks weeks of reading the Bible?" Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I'm not perfect. But here's the thing. The issue is, is that as I've been journeying, journaling, as I've been on this journey with God, the thing that, that, that you just see over and over and over, especially in the Old Testament, it's just this amazing journey of God's people and God's love. And time and time again, God's people kept messing up. Time and time again, God's people kept drifting away. Time and time again, God's people began to worship other idols. Time and time again, when they disobeyed and they blew it, God, God, listen, listen, God allowed them to suffer the consequences that time and time again, through that tough love, God reached out and rescued them. Time and time again, God reached out and brought them back into a right relationship with Him. Why? Because that's what God's heart is all about. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. Why? Because God created you and He created me so that we could be in relationship with Him. And so when you understand that, it really does, it changes everything about love. Do you realize that God put you on this planet for one reason? And that is so that he could love you. And when you fully understand that, when you understand that, listen, my sole purpose in this world is so that I can have a relationship with God, my creator, and that I could learn from the God of love on really what love is all about and how to show that love to other people. Because that's why God sent his son into the world over 2,000 years ago. Listen, God came to earth in the form of his son and he lived a perfect sinless life. And what we learned through the life of Jesus is we saw an individual just like you and me who, understand, who understood the concept of love because not only did he love God the Father... But he loved people, and he showed it time and time again to the point of giving his very life for your sins and for mine. And so when you think about the entire Bible, listen, it's a relationship, it's a love letter that God has written for you and for me. So what I want to do today is I just want to unpack five specific things that the Bible teaches about love. And let me tell you something, you're not going to walk out of here and say, wow, Pastor Rodney was really, really deep today. I mean, I don't know what he said, but it was good. You're not going to walk out of here doing that today. You're going to walk out of here today saying, hey, he told me it's something I already knew. And if you're anything like me, I can do a lot better of a job working at getting better at these five things. Because here are the five things that the Bible describes or defines of what love is truly all about. And if you're taking notes, here they are. Number one, and that is love starts with God. Love starts with God. I mean, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says it this way. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from who? Say it out loud. God. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone, but anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. I mean, if there's one fact that we all need to understand 
today to get clear in our minds is that God is the source of all love. There would be no love in the world had it not been for God showing his love for you and for me. Why? Because that's who he is. It's, it's his very nature. It's his, it's his character. God is love. And because he is the ultimate source of all love, we can't fully understand what love is all about, how it applies to my life, your life, our relationships with one another, until we understand the fact that all love comes from God. And so the Bible tells it to us like this. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love each other, notice carefully, because he loved us first. Can I say something I believe is very profound? And that is this. It is impossible, 100% impossible, to love God and to effectively love other people until you yourself fully understand how much God loves you. There's a lot of people who just don't quite understand how much God loves them. If I've heard it once, listen, I've heard it countless times from people who just say, you know, pastor, I just struggle in this area, or I struggle in that area, and I, I've messed up time and time again, and, 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 and often I just feel like I'm disappointing God. I just feel like I'm letting God down. I just don't feel like I love God enough. And I understand what they're saying, but I think if they just truly understood that it's not about what they do that earns God's love, it's not about how good they are that somehow gets God's approval. No, if they could just understand the fact that God loves them unconditionally, that God loves them sacrificially, that God loves them more than anything they could possibly understand, they would see themselves completely different. Listen, they would listen, they would not measure who they are because of their past or because of what they what they've done and what they haven't done. They they would just truly understand that they are who they are because they are loved the way God has chosen to love them. Listen, we are complete, we are secure in who we are in God. Why? Because our love, listen, his love never changes. So his love is the same yesterday, today, and forever towards you and towards me. And we have to rest in that and understand that, listen, all love starts with God. And so it's so, so vitally important. And can I just say this? Hurting people hurt people. And anytime you feel hurt or feel rejection or feel disappointment from someone else, guess what? Chances are, if they said things to you, if they've done things towards you, if they've hurt you in any way, chances are that person who is on the side of hurting someone else is someone who, who truly does not understand how much they are loved by God. Because hurting people hurt people. And when someone's hurting, when someone's going through pain and difficulty, if they would just take the focus off of themselves and understand just how much God loves them, it would change their perspective on everything. And so all love starts with God. Number two, if you're taking notes, that is this. Love is a decision. Love is a decision. As I stated a few moments ago, one of the things you read is you start from Genesis all the way through. You just see time and time again of God's people whom he loved, whom he wanted just to have a relationship with. Time and time again, they disobeyed. Time and time again, they drifted away from God. And so once again, God is constantly rescuing them. God is trying to remind them that he has a plan, he has a hope, he has a future, he has a promise for their lives. And yet, through all of this, 
Moses once again stands up on behalf of God and he, get, he gathers the people of Israel. And here's what Moses said, speaking on behalf of God. He says these words. He said, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And then notice, you can make the choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. So what we got to understand is at the end of the day, listen, love is a choice. Love is a decision. We just don't turn love on and off like a light switch. And the other thing is this. God does not force his love on you, nor does God force you and me to, to love God back. No, it, he's given us a free will. So we can either choose to love God or we can choose to disobey God. And so it's a choice. And that same choice is this choice that we make in our earthly relationships. So when, when we choose to love our spouse or not, when we choose to love our children or not, when we choose to love our friends or not. Listen, love is a choice. And every single day we choose whether we're going to love or whether we're not going to love someone in a way that we could or we should. It's often hear couples say something like this, and I've, again, this is one of these statements I've heard time and time again from so many couples who've come to me, you know, because their, their marriage is maybe just hanging, hanging in the balance and things aren't going well. And, and then often what, what will happen is one of, the, one, of the, one of the spouses will say something like this, or if I'm one-on-one, a lot of times they'll confess, they'll say, you know, I just don't love him anymore. Or I just don't love her anymore. And they're saying it as though they don't have a choice. What they're actually saying is that, no, I'm just choosing not to love him anymore. I'm choosing not to love her anymore. And the reason why they're choosing not to love is because of circumstances. And so, listen, love is not based on circumstances. It's not all conditional. It's like, hey, if you live up to your end of the deal, I'll love you. If you, you know, it, it, that is a twisted, distorted, selfish, self-seeking kind of love. It's not the agape, unconditional kind of love that God is talking about. No, we love one another in spite of the circumstances. We love one another knowing that they're going to fall short of our expectations. We love them knowing they're not going to meet our needs. We love them knowing that, you know what, they're not perfect, we're not perfect. At the end of the day, we love one another. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. We love one another because we're choosing to love a very imperfect person. We're choosing to love someone even though they've hurt us. They've let us down. They, they have fallen short of our expectations. They disappointed us. We have chosen to love because that is what God has chosen to do for you and me in spite of our rebellion. Amen. So make sure you're all awake. Listen, hard, love is hard. It's messy. As I stated a few moments ago, Michelle and I, we, we've, been, we've been married for 27 years. Has it been easy? No. Have there been messy times? Yes. Some of you are thinking, how messy? <laughs> Care to share any details? 
We go through the same stuff you guys go through. I mean, Michelle's not perfect. She knows it. She's not here. But I'm not perfect, and she knows it. And she reminds me of that all the time. And that's when it gets hard and it gets messy. So at the end of the day, you got to realize, you know what? Love is a decision. It's a choice. I love what 1 John 3.16 3, says. We all know John 3.16. What about 1 John 3.16? I love this. For we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. You know what? Love requires sacrifice. Love requires commitment. Love is a decision. Number three, not only, is, not only does love start with God, not only is love a decision, but thirdly, love is an action. It's an action. It's more than an arousal. It's more than an attraction. Love is more than just an ocean of emotion or a quiver in my liver. Now, love is an action. It's a verb. Love does. It acts. And I think it's important that we realize that it's something that we do. It is a behavior. Kind of like the, I love the, love the, the story of the couple that goes in to see the counselor and things just weren't going well. And so they sit down in front of the marriage counselor and the, the wife, I mean, she just goes off on her, her husband. I mean, 15 minutes, I mean, nonstop. She just sailing the guy down the river. I mean, she's bringing up every single problem, mistake, failure. I mean, she's bringing it all from the past. I mean, she's just going 15 minutes nonstop. And then finally, the counselor got up from the other side of the desk. He walks around, and he literally reaches over and embraces this man's wife, and I mean passionately kisses her. And then after he finishes kissing her, she kind of lays back in her chair, completely dumbfounded, dazed and confused. And then the marriage counselor looks at the, at, the, at the husband and he said, your wife needs this from you at least three times a week. He said, you think you can do that? The guy thought for a moment. He said, well, I can bring her in on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I go fishing on Fridays. So at the end of the day, love is a choice. It's a decision we got to make. Love does. It just doesn't talk about it. No, we do it. We put it into action. 1 John 3, 18 says, says, it, says it this way. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our what? Say it out loud. Actions. By our actions. I love what Bob Goff says. In fact, he has a book called Love Does. It's an incredible, it's a best-selling book, incredible book. He said, love is never stationary in the end. Love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning for it. Simply put, love does. Love does. Let me think about it for a moment. Over 27 years of marriage, what would it do if I just simply told my wife, Michelle, that I love her? And she would appreciate that, and that would mean something, but how much more... Does it mean to her 
that I actually show her through my actions. And it's important that we understand that, you know what, love does. Love speaks louder than words. And can I just say that's the reason why worship is so important? And I just want to applaud you for coming here today because you did something. You, you came here. Why? Because you understand the importance of worship. But worship is more than just sitting. Worship does. Worship is a response. You've got to understand that that's what God desires from us. He, respond, he, he requires our response to him by the way we show our love. By the way we demonstrate our love. That's the reason why, listen, when we worship, it's a part of action. It's the way we verbally tell God and we show God and we demonstrate to God how much we love him. Listen, when we serve, you've got to understand that your serving is an act of worship. When you serve people, you're serving God. It is something that brings great joy to the heart of God when he sees his, his, his children doing the very things that he created them to do. When we give, what is our giving? What does our tithe do? It shows God. It demonstrates to God. It's action. Listen, generosity is love in action. We're demonstrating to God. God, you have first place in my, in my life. God, you are the highest, most important priority to me. God, this is why I'm showing you my love by giving you the first 10% of what you have blessed me with. That's the reason why today, at the end of the service, in a few moments, we're going to be receiving a summer of love, love offering to sow into the summer outreach opportunities and, and to help reach out to our children through our adventure week and to help sponsor and to scholarship students who want to go to our motion event at the end of the summer. And for all the things that we're doing, why are we doing that? Because it's a way that we as a church can show and to demonstrate our love in action that, listen, God's love is something that we want to show and something we want to do better and something we want to shine brighter to a world that desperately needs it. And so when you think about it, love is an action. Number four, love is a skill. I'm going to go through this quickly, but here's what 1 Timothy 4.15 says. Practice these things. So that, that simply means just, just like anything else, You've got to practice it. You've got to do it. Why? So you can get better at it. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Listen, the truth is we can all get better at loving God and one another. Would you agree with that? We all can. I can. You can. That's the reason why we need to spend time with God. That's the reason why we need to... We need to grow and we need to sharpen our skill set when it comes to loving. Unfortunately, like I said at the very beginning, because a lot of people don't know what love is, they have a hard time showing love to one another. There's a reason why there's so much hate and selfishness and self-centeredness in our world today. Because they don't understand what love is, therefore they don't understand how to show and to demonstrate love to one another. And so it takes Listen, it takes practice. It takes a skill set. we got to learn. we got to teach ourselves. We can keep getting better and better and better at the way we not just live our lives, but how we show love to one another. So the reason why I always encourage couples, listen, before you even get married, sharpen your axe. Listen, learn one another. Develop skill sets that's going to help you communicate better understand better listen grow deeper in your love for god so that you can grow deeper in your love for one another it's a skill it just doesn't come naturally to us why because we're sinners we have a bent toward badness we all have an eye problem 
And the eye problem, listen, the eye is between, between the, the, the is, is in the middle of sin. It's in the middle of pride. And so when we're all prideful and selfish and self-seeking and self-centered, we have a hard time putting the focus on other people. That's the reason why we've got to learn how to love. Love is a skill. And then number five, love is a habit. Love is a habit. And just like any habit, it takes time to develop. That's why Michelle and I have 27 years. We're still not there yet. We are a work in progress. But what you've got to understand is that over the course of these 27 years, we've been learning how to love each other better, learning how to love our children better, learning how to love people better. And can I just say this? This is so important. It's easy to love people who love you back. But how much more complicated and difficult and challenging is it to love people who are unlovable? Or love people who hurt you? Or love people who reject you? Or love people who betray you? Or love people who speak behind your back? Or love people who tear you down? Or love people who are disloyal to you? You see, it's easy to love people who are lovable. But why did God put us in this world? He surrounds us every day with unlovable people. People who are unloving, unkind. People who, who, who don't understand God's love. And so therefore, we got to make love a habit. Listen, it is a process. And that's the reason why we're going to unpack the greatest love chapter that's ever been written through the greatest love book that's ever been written. The greatest love story of all time. And I, in every wedding that I conduct, I always share this passage of Scripture. And I'll never forget when I did this with my oldest daughter. When I looked at her and I looked into my future son-in-law with tears flowing down my face. Most difficult thing I've ever done. Giving my daughter away. Even though it was an exciting time and a fulfilling time at the same time. Because I loved her so much. And because I understand the importance of love. And because I understand the importance of loving someone who may never love you back. Or someone who, who's going to fall short of your expectations. Or sometimes they may fall short of meeting your needs. Or fall short of what they could be or should be. Here is what at the end of the day is, it is all about. And it's read like this. Paul said love is patient kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Or rude. It does not listen, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Notice carefully. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now imagine if we all lived our lives this way. Imagine what could change in a marriage relationship. Imagine the atmosphere of our homes, how things could be different. Imagine the atmosphere of our workplace, the atmosphere of our schools. 
Imagine what would be different in our community, in our city. Imagine what could happen in the world if everybody understood that to love like Jesus is to live like Jesus. That's what love is all about. That's what love is all about. Let's fire our heads together.